eating disorders don't discriminate. Mental health struggles do not discriminate. They come in all shapes and sizes and forms and can, you can be talking to the happiest, funniest, most outgoing person in the room and silently they're struggling with so many things under the surface that you would have no idea about. I've come to the conclusion that you only have one body. You're only here for one life and you need to treat yourself that way. That doesn't mean restricting. That doesn't mean eating as little as you possibly can. That means fueling your body and putting in the nutrients and whatever it takes to get yourself that energy and to make you feel the best that you can possibly feel. Not every day is going to be rainbows and butterflies. There's going to be some days that feel like a storm. But if you can get through it and not be hating yourself, then I think that that is a huge victory right there. You have to choose to wake up and want to live a better life than you were living when you were going through whatever it was that you're going through. You're listening to Say Yes to You with me, Just Ange Marie, a podcast focused on inspiring you to say yes to you, your life, and your happiness. Let's say yes to showing up genuinely, authentically, and unapologetically to become a better, stronger version of you one episode at a time. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Say Yes to You podcast. My name is Ange, I am your host as always, and today I have a super exciting interview planned with my friend from college. Her name is Britt Smith, and you can find her on Instagram at Real Life with Britt. Britt created this Instagram account in the middle of July, and you know me, I am all about posting in a genuine, authentic, and real-life kind of way. So I was super excited to see Britt's new account, and the caption of her very first post was literally, we're not here to be perfect, we're here to be real. And I was like, yes, girl, go off, that is so good, I absolutely love that. Throughout quarantine, Britt took a lot of time to step back and reevaluate different aspects of her life that she has quietly struggled with for quite some time. She's dealt with major loss, struggled with an eating disorder, body dysmorphia, on top of anxieties about anything and everything, and that I can definitely relate to. And in July, she felt like it was finally time to open up about these struggles online. She used to feel ashamed and alone when it came to all of these things, but now she realizes that if she can help one person realize they're not alone, then she feels like her job is done. And I absolutely love that. That is what I am all about on my account as well. Just posting content, posting my open and honest and genuine and authentic opinions and thoughts about everything with self-love and body positivity, self-care, intuitive eating, intuitive fitness. And the reason why I do that is literally for other people. Sure, I love sharing my own thoughts and opinions, but honestly, just like Brit, if I can help one person, then I feel like my job is done too. So I love that she says that as well. Britt talks about all things real on her Instagram now, from self-love to body positivity to her eating disorder recovery and so much more. And we're going to be talking about all of that and more today. I am super excited for this interview. I know that it's going to be jam-packed with a ton of information that you do not want to miss. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Britt, I am so excited to have you on my podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on. And how are you doing today? What's up? What have you been up to? 
Well, thank you um, for having me on. I am so excited. As soon as you created this podcast, I was like super happy because I, it, like, I think this is something that is really needed and you're doing incredible things. Um, so I just wanted to say that and thank you for having me on. I'm doing great. Um, it is Wednesday. We are halfway through the week. So um, I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I got up early this morning and I kind of messed up because I registered for this online cycling class and it was under the title of live and on demand. And that means it could either be live or it could be, you could, I mean, on demand usually means you can play it back after it's live. So that's what I've done before. But I thought that it was live at 6.30, so I literally got up at 5.45 for the first time in a long time and got everything all ready, and I was on my bike at 6.30. I was like, this is super early for me, but we're going to do it. And I pressed play on the class, and it was pre-recorded. And I was like, oh, my God, I did not have to be up this early to do this. Oh, my God, I would have been so bummed out. (laughs) I know. So I got up and I did that and I did yoga with my mom. So that was good. My 30 minutes of movement for the day is done. And I feel like I might crash and get really tired later, but we're good right now. So that was a good start to my day. Well, there you go. That is awesome. That does sound like a good start to the day. Yeah. All right. So for people that are not familiar with you and do not know you, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for work and life right now, and just talk a little bit about creating your Instagram. Let's start with that. Yeah, absolutely. My name's Brittany. I am 24 and I live out in like the suburbs of Philly. For work, I work in the tech industry as basically the recruit, the head of recruiting for my company. If you know me at all, you know I like to talk and I can talk to people. I could talk to a wall if you ask me to. So I think that's my favorite aspect of my job is getting to talk to different people each and every day. Um, but yeah, so I really like my job. But there's always been a side of me that knows there's something more. There's something more out there for me and there's something else that I really want to obtain. I didn't necessarily know what that was for a while. I kind of struggled coming out of college finding what my passion and what my purpose is. Um, A little kind of side note, I've struggled for a very long time with um, body image issues and an eating disorder. Throughout high school, throughout college, it's been a very silent struggle of mine. Prior to quarantine, I was dealing with a, a major loss of someone in my family, and I felt really alone, like on top of having the, you know, the issues with my body image and eating disorder and anxiety, and then dealing with a major loss, I was feeling very, very, very alone. And this quarantine definitely um, can feel even, make you feel 10 times more isolated than normal. Sitting down thinking one day, I'm like, you know what, I bet I'm not the only one out there that is going through these feelings and emotions and If I can make somebody feel like they're not alone, at least one person in the world, that I feel like my job is done. So I feel like I've kind of came to a point in my life where I want to help other people at least create a safe space for other people where they can come to come to me or I can build a community where people are able to open up or to come to me for advice or to share their stories or just talk when they're having a bad day or even a good day. My biggest thing is I think social media has painted this world of perfection, yeah, rather than realism and rather than real life. So I wanted to kind of change that stigma and create something that's more real and that talks about, you know, the daily struggles through real life and what's happening behind um, the picture-perfect screen on your phone. 
I talked a little bit about that in the intro, just how if you can help one person, your job is done. And I relate to that so much. I'll be completely honest, that was not my intention when I first created my Instagram. My focus has completely shifted. I started out with a fitness Instagram and my initial purpose was to post about my fitness journey and hold myself accountable for it was before I looked at exercise as moving your body. It was all about working out and eating healthy, but my focus has shifted to the same idea where I make the content that I do when I write the captions that I do and I put up the stories that I do to relate to other people. It becomes less about you and so much more about helping others. And have you ever done anything else in your life where you helped other people? Is that just like one of your core values that you want to help other people in everything that you do? Yeah, definitely. I would say that that no matter what my purpose was or what my passion, what I found that my passion was, it was still involving helping people. Um, and I think that that's a, a big reason why I struggled kind, kind of coming out of college because I always looked at myself as like, you know, maybe I'll go work for a nonprofit or maybe I will go back to school and get a degree in nursing or something like that. And I really struggled with that. But I think at the end of the day, all I want to do is help somebody. And I think that this, um, you know, Instagram page and whatever I happen to build off of that is what that is for me. I've had so many people reach out to me over, I think I've had the page for like a little over a month, maybe. And the amount of people that have reached out to me, like saying, you know, that they're struggling and they had no idea that I was struggling. And it's really helpful to have a person, you know, that you know, or you don't even know, um, go through a similar struggle and journey and kind of have somebody to rely on that you know kind of understands and you can talk to about it. So that I think is at like the core of myself is to really help people. And I think that this is, I'm, I'm finally finding where I can best, you know, put my focus on that. I absolutely love that. I agree with all of that so much. And I love that you said that you're getting so many positive messages, but since you've made the account, have you ever gotten any negative messages or anything that has kind of challenged your message or something that you've posted on your page or on your story or anything like that? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I haven't yet keyword yet. <laughs> I think I'm still, uh, you know, very new into this space. Um, and I don't know if I've necessarily, I don't want to say that I haven't put in, put out any content that is, uh, you know, challenging other people's beliefs or what they think is right versus what they think is wrong. Um, and I also, I don't want to say I try to steer away from giving any advice on like eating or anything like that because my first thing that I say is listen I am not a doctor I am not a dietitian this is what has worked for me I'm not going to tell you that it's going to work for you but if you're coming to me for advice then this is what I can give you this is my personal experience and this is what I have to offer I haven't necessarily gotten into the content yet of where I am focusing on posting about stuff like that, if that makes any sense. I think more of my content has been surrounding um, more personal experiences and how I think others could possibly relate and then advice that I think could possibly help others. I'm a little kind of scared, if I'm being honest with you, to jump into what I'm eating throughout the day and intuitive eating. I, I Everything that you're posting and, and creating, your intuitive eating, intuitive exercise is 
amazing. That's 100% what I believe in as well, especially when you're coming back from or you're on your journey of recovery and you're healing yourself and kind of growing, trying to grow a better relationship with food and with exercise. I think what you're doing is crucial and exactly what I am looking to do as well. Um, but in terms of any negative feedback, I mean, I, I'm trying to cut some dairy out of my life because I have an autoimmune disease. I have lupus and I'm just exploring other avenues to kind of help um, maintain or control my, my flare-ups. But I've had people be like, oh, why are you, you know, cutting out milk or how can you live without cheese and blah, blah, blah. But I think at the end of the day, the most important thing to remember is everybody is different and your body is going to react to whatever it is differently. And you also, as much as, you know, we want to be that person to help somebody and to really open up their eyes and put them on this journey that has allowed them to have a beautiful relationship with food and a beautiful relationship with exercise, that person has to want to change and has to want to make that that um, decision and that effort, if that makes any sense. I think that there's always going to be somebody that has something negative to say and, and tries to kind of bring you down, but you kind of have to turn your head to that and just realize that that's a them thing and they can focus on that and you just focus on what you're doing because you know what you're doing is good. If yes, that makes complete sense. I love how you worded that. And the thing that you said about dairy, I am lactose intolerant, but I can tolerate ice cream and like other random things at certain times. And I have gotten so much questioning. Like I've been questioned, like, are you really lactose intolerant? Like you can have ice cream. Like, are you still lactose intolerant? I take the cheese off my pizza. That's a weird thing that I do, but I love pizza without cheese and I can't have the cheese or else my stomach goes whack. So I feel you with that, just like getting questions like that about something that you don't have to do with your diet, but like you're doing it for literally your health because of a condition that you deal with. And you mentioned lupus. I had no idea that you live with lupus and that that's something that you're also battling off as well. Can you talk a little bit about that for people that don't know what lupus is and what it's like to deal with an autoimmune disease? How does that affect you and how do you deal with that in your everyday life? Yeah, absolutely. So it's honestly, it doesn't surprise me that you say that you didn't know I have lupus because I don't talk about it. Like it's something that I like, I will rarely open up about because I have a very mild case of it. So I know that there's people out there and I'm trying to get away from this mindset, but I do know that there are people out there who are struggling a lot worse than I am. That doesn't mean, you know, to take away from my struggle, but I don't like to kind of talk about what I'm going through if I know that people have it 10 times worse than I do. But I am learning to kind of open up and start to guide myself through a healthy journey of dealing with that and, and the best ways to deal with that. Um, so I was diagnosed with lupus when I was little, um, but I have discoid lupus. So instead of systemic, which is the internal kind, I have the external kind. And um, my body goes through like breakouts of rashes. They're kind of like... Um, they kind of look like ringworm. It's, I don't know if that's like an, a weird way to explain it, but it's like a circular lesion on my skin. It's really itchy. And if you itch it, it spreads like throughout, like all over your body. Um, and then on top of that, I have awful joints and I, I'm pretty sure it's linked to my lupus, but um, my joints are absolutely terrible. I get very swollen. I think that that is a side effect of my lupus as well. 
Um, my, my whole body will swell. My hands, my feet, I will lose feeling in my fingers and in my toes. They'll turn either completely blue or purple or completely white. So, and that happens more often in the colder weather, but I do swell up really badly in the summer as well. So having all of that and dealing with that, especially as I, I've been an athlete my whole life, I mean, I played field hockey and softball um, all throughout my whole life and then high school and college, um, college was more focused on just field hockey, but that doesn't help your joints in the slightest bit. <laughs> now, as a runner, I, I kind of transitioned my athletic whatever into running now. I still experience a lot of the same pain, and I don't, and I feel like I can't necessarily do as much as, you know, the person next to me can some days. But that is a really big reason as to why I'm looking into living a more um, like a whole foods lifestyle. I, I want to really treat my body. And this sounds like I feel like this sounds really hippy dippy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I want to treat my body like the temple that it is. And I've come to the conclusion, like after the amount of pressure and stress and the horrible things I said to my body and to myself, I've come to the conclusion that you only have one body. You're only here for one life, and you need to treat yourself that way. That doesn't mean restricting. That doesn't mean eating as little as you possibly can. That means fueling your body and putting in the nutrients and whatever it takes to get yourself that energy and to make you feel the best that you can possibly feel. So that's why I'm kind of adapting a, a new way of going about my eating and exploring different dietary um I guess, like items like the non-dairy or whatever the case may be to help um, heal those symptoms or I guess reduce those symptoms of my lupus. So I can go for a six-mile run if I want to and not have the excruciating pain and have to stop at three miles because I, I've seen when I'm eating like crap or, you know, not eating the nutrient-dense food or whatever it is to get me through that six-mile run and I'm not hydrating myself, it's almost impossible to get through that Whereas when I am fueling myself and giving myself what it need, what I need to get to perform, I on top of having lupus and and like I guess um, identifying what those foods are, it helps me in like an incredible way. I love that. I love that you have that mind body connection and you're still able to exercise and like run six miles I mean I don't even have lupus and running six miles is like woo that's a lot for me <laughs> so I want to backtrack a little bit we're talking a lot about your life right now but I want to backtrack and if it's okay with you talk about your eating disorder and you mentioned like how you used to talk to your body versus how you talk to your body now when you used to be really hard on yourself so if it's okay with you let's rewind to that time in your life and what was that like like for you? Just talk anything and everything about that. So uh, the first time that I could identify or the first moment that I can think back to that I like should have slapped me in the face like, hey, you, you're dealing with something here. This isn't normal to feel like this. I want to say I was about like 12 years old, maybe. And I was at a doctor's appointment. You know how you used to have to go to like the doctor's appointment before school to get like your physical and everything checked out to make sure you're all good. So I was at one of those. And I remember um, the doctor asked me to step on the scale. And I did. And so I've always been very um, 
I want to say like athletically built. I've always had, you know, more muscular legs. So that's something that I've always struggled with is being as having a little bit more to my body than some of my peers did. So the doctor asked me to get on the scale and I looked at the weight that came up and I lost it. Like I had a breakdown in the middle of the doctor's office. And I remember the doctor being like, honey, like your body isn't built to be 90 pounds for the rest of your life. Like you have muscle, you are built, you are strong. Like recognize that it's okay you're not there's nothing wrong with the way you are and I didn't hear that at that age and I really wish I did (laughs) so then it carried along you know throughout my life struggling in high school is when I developed my the bulimia Um, and I felt like I kind of had to have this perfect body because I was an athlete and I had to look toned but still lean and thin and so if I looked in the mirror and I didn't see that I would kind of go through a downward spiral. And I often looked into the mirror and didn't see that because I struggle with body dysmorphia as well. So I hardly ever saw a body in the mirror that I liked. And so that just kind of was like a, a endless cycle of, you know, the throwing up and then hating myself looking in the mirror and then waking up and running four miles before I go to high school to then go to a field hockey practice after and practice for two hours eating maybe like carrots and an apple and like maybe a peanut butter sandwich throughout the day. I was completely not nourishing my body. I was not eating um, enough food in the slightest bit. And then on top of it, I was excessively exercising and I was throwing up. Then that was kind of my high school experience. And then moving on to college, I wouldn't say that I had issues of like not really eating, but I did still struggle with my body dysmorphia and with bulimia. And it was, I think that's when it kind of hit its peak um, because I felt like, you know, college is hard. The lifestyle, drama, like all, all the things that come with college can be very, very hard. To me, still to this day, I look at my eating disorder as something that I can control. And I'm a control freak. I need to be on my schedules. I need to be like, you know, X, Y, Z, all planned out my whole next week. So when I am going through like turmoil in my life, my eating disorder is like my safety blanket and I can put it over me. I can control myself. You know, it's like a, a way in a way like a stress reliever. Throughout college, I struggled with that um, as well. And to be honest with you, it, it came to a few months ago to where I was able to look myself in the mirror and say, you need to stop this. Like, this is not a healthy, you're you're going to, like, deplete your body completely of its nutrients and mess yourself up for the future that may not be irreversible. So, you know, there'd be months where I was great and I was doing fine and, you know, there was no throwing up, no purging. And then all of a sudden there'd be two weeks where it was nonstop. And then kind of that endless cycle again. But um, after my grandmom died is when things took a turn for the worse and I was felt completely out of control. So like I said, I kind of pulled over my safety blanket of my eating disorder and let that take control of my life for a little bit. And then, like I said, up to like a few months ago is when I was like, you need to really get this figured out and stop doing this or else it could lead to, you know, very bad things for your health. And I would not say that my journey is over just because I'm not purging. Um, I haven't been for a few months. You know, I'm still going through that recovery and it's still a very active recovery. I say this all the time. I'm so big on saying recovery is active. You have to choose to not 
purge. You have to choose to wake up and want to live a better life than you were living when you were going through whatever it was that you're going through. Um, so that's where we're at today. Um, but I'm definitely doing a lot better than I have, you know, through those cycles of being good for a few months and then kind of going back down a dark road. So you have such an amazing story and the fact that you're able to verbally open up and talk about it that authentically shows that I can just tell that you are so strong and you are really working to get to a better place and I really admire you for that so so much. And I feel like there's somebody listening right now that's probably thinking the same thing and also might be thinking that they are struggling with similar things that you were struggling with. So how should that person take that first step to acknowledge that they are struggling and really like open up and identify about their struggle is there an easy way to do that is that always hard what was that like for you and how would you encourage somebody else to do that yeah absolutely that's a great question i don't think it's ever easy because you you have to look at yourself in the mirror and face demons that you want to just push down 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 and never see them in your life like you have to actively call yourself out and be like, hey, this isn't good. You're not in a good spot. What is the next best step to take here? If that is opening up, opening up and again, here's another little hippy-dippy saying that I have, but like getting it out of your body and into the universe, even just saying it out loud, that's getting it out of your mind, getting it out of your brain, and putting it out into the universe, I think is the biggest step you can possibly take. But then if you're choosing to recover, I think you have to sit down with yourself and figure out what the next best step is for you. Recovery is different for every single person. I am still trying to figure out what it looks like for me. I am in the process of finding a therapist. I am in the process of kind of going through different things that um, I didn't try prior that maybe to see if, you know, this will work for me this time. Um, recovery looks different for literally everyone out there. So I think the first step to take is acknowledging and identifying what you're going through, whether it's writing it down, whether it's talking to somebody about it, whatever the case may be, I think that that is the biggest step you can take and the first step you have to take. And it's the hardest thing to do. Um, like I said, you're, you're looking at not your best qualities here. It's not like you're you're talking about how funny you are or whatever, your personality rocks or whatever the case may be. You're looking at like a struggle that, you know, eating disorders can be such a silent, silent struggle and can be most of the time they are. Not many people can open up about this because it's something you feel ashamed about and it's something that you don't feel comfortable with anyone knowing besides yourself. You know, that is the first step to going down the road of recovery is identifying what you're going through. And I think also, like, the whole purpose of my page, again, we've, we've hit on this before, but is to let people know they're not alone. I've had so many people reach out to me and say, oh, I had no idea you were going through this. I didn't know that, you know, someone like you could experience this. And eating disorders don't discriminate. Mental health struggles do not discriminate. They come in all shapes and sizes and forms, and can, you can be talking to the happiest, funniest, most outgoing person in the room, and silently they're struggling with so many things under the surface that you would have no idea about. So I think kind of breaking that stigma and letting people know that people that you would have never thought are struggling are in fact struggling, and I think that that kind of opens up a floor for people to come out about their struggles and to 
have somebody that can, you know, identify and, and talk through those with and then talk about what the next best step would be. I also think that there's a lot of different forms of eating disorders. And like I said, everybody's recovery is different. So if you're on the brink of like, uh, this is very dramatic, but like on the brink of death, you should, your next step should be going to an inpatient facility rather than if you are like, you know, struggling, kind of teetering with what you're struggling with. I think your next step should be going to maybe a therapist and, and talking through and, and getting that identification of what you are struggling with. So there's so many different forms and aspects of recovery, and it's different for everyone, and it's always going to be very challenging for that person to identify and to come out about what they're struggling with, but I think it's so important, and you'll feel a weight lifted off of your shoulders. I have felt so light since I've publicly come out about this, and that doesn't mean I'm not struggling, but it's definitely feels like a huge weight has been lifted off of my shoulders because I'm able to talk freely about my struggles rather than just have my inner demons battling with each other, which always makes it 10 times worse. Absolutely. And I can completely relate to the last part of what you said about getting a weight off of your shoulders when you open up about what you're struggling with. I think one of the hardest things coming back to what we talked about in the beginning is just that there is this picture perfect world where opening up and talking about your struggles, unfortunately, is not the majority. That's not what a lot of people are following. That's not as normalized as the picture-perfect world. I don't know if it will ever be. I hope that it will be. That would be my greatest hope with Instagram and social media and media. But unfortunately, it's not right now. And that can make it hard to open up and talk about your struggles. But again, completely agree that it's a weight off of your shoulders. I have been going through the same thing, not with an eating disorder, not exactly what you're going through, but feeling like there was something off with me for a really long time. And when I moved home from living in Philly and I thought that I was going to quarantine for two weeks and it ended up being two months, I had that same kind of moment where I looked at myself and I was like, there has been something off about you for too long now and you have to get to the bottom of it. You have to stop putting it off by getting new jobs and getting new titles and saying it'll be fine and actually figure out what it was and how you said if somebody's on the brink of death like they should go to an inpatient if somebody just knows that there's something off go to therapy that's exactly what I did I started going to therapy and with my therapist got down to what's I don't want to say the root of the problem, what identified with what exactly my mental health diagnosis was and how to properly treat it through medication and therapy. And I completely agree with that. I always say this, but if somebody listening right now is debating and teetering back and forth between whether or not they should go to therapy, absolutely you should go. And I'm so happy to hear that you are actively working to find a therapist as well. And you're looking into that too. Absolutely. It's very important. So the other thing that you said that I wanted to talk about a little bit is you said somebody compliments you on your personality like, oh, she's so funny and you're so kind and you always do nice things for other people. I think I posted something along the lines of that and you either reposted it or responded to it about commenting on people's character traits versus on their weight and appearance. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts, anything related to that? And if you've ever had an experience in your past where somebody commented on your weight, maybe said like, oh my gosh, you look so skinny, your stomach is so toned, 
something like that? And did that like encourage you to keep going down a spiral that was unhealthy for you? Anything along the lines of that? Oh my God. Yes. This is one of my favorite topics ever. Um, so that is such a great question. And it's something that people do completely subconsciously. Like you don't realize, I don't think that, you know, my mom is being malicious when she's like, wow, Britt, you look great. Like you look like maybe you toned up or whatever. Like I think that she genuinely or anybody and not just my mom, anybody in the world is genuinely like complimenting you. But with people that struggle with, you know, body image and eating disorders, and even in general, even if you don't struggle with those, those things, when you hear somebody constantly complimenting you on the way you look and what your body looks like or what those jeans look like on you or whatever the case may be, that gets stuck in your head that you want to keep getting those compliments. We are human. All of us love getting compliments. You can't look at me in the face and tell me nobody does. You know, like everybody loves to hear something good about themselves. It makes them feel good. But once that is stuck in your head, you have this subconscious idea that you have to stay and maintain that exact look and you have to stay that body size and you have to have those abs and that toned arm or whatever the person is complimenting you on. And it can be so destructive. I have um, a very close friend who, you know, was kind of going through some things, um, dealing with mental health and, and trying to figure some stuff out, but in the meantime, lost a lot of weight pretty quickly. Um, and I saw her and, you know, people saw her for the first time and they were like, oh, you look great. You look great, blah, blah, blah. And then that in turn triggered and became an eating disorder because she kept getting these compliments saying she looked great and she liked, you know, everyone likes that attention that you're getting when you hear those things. But now she's horrified to gain the weight back, even if it's a healthy weight for her body and has become scared to eat and scared to do anything to gain that weight back. So I posted something on my Instagram um, story the other day. I'm actually going to pull it up because I think that it kind of says what we're talking about um, pretty perfectly. But, like, when you're complimenting somebody on their weight, you could be complimenting them on having cancer or having an eating disorder, an illness, dealing with grief, depression, anxiety, stress heartbreak like what yeah, they're that's, going that's through exactly what it was yeah yeah and what they're like you don't know what that what is causing that weight loss when I lost my grandma I do this thing where I, when I'm going through something when I'm sad when I can't kind of pull myself together I just don't eat like I do not fuel myself I it's hard for me to eat one thing in the day like even like a carrot I, I can't do it I I don't know what's wrong with me. A lot of people stress eat. I stress don't eat. Um, that's hard. That's kind of hard to come back to. You have to kind of force yourself to eat something. But when I lost my grandma, I just didn't eat for, like, months. Like, it was hard for me. Like, there would be some days, and if I was in front of people, I felt like I kind of had to eat to put on this facade that I'm okay. But you don't know what that person is going through and what triggered that weight loss to you could be complimenting their depression. You could be complimenting, um, you know, a grief that they're going through or whatever the case may be. I think that that put it perfectly as you don't know what is going on behind the scenes. And it's very important to find things to compliment people on 
that don't have to do with appearance. I think that that is my biggest thing and that is something I'm trying to identify and, and um, you know, work on is instead of complimenting or commenting on someone's picture being like, oh, my God, you look great, I'll say you're glowing or you look so happy or something like that. Like there's so many other things in life that you can find to compliment somebody on. And nine times out of ten, I would rather hear that I'm glowing or I'm ha- I look so happy or you crack me up or whatever it is rather than, wow, your body looks awesome or your body's rocking or whatever it may be. Like, yeah, that's a great compliment to hear, but in the back of my head, that's also fueling my eating disorder and is going to make me want to go for a five-mile run the next day and not eat anything. You know, it's it's such a, like a, a tricky, tricky thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it completely is. And something that you mentioned in that was gaining the weight back. Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts with gaining weight back as you said that your friend was afraid of that? Like, what did you say to her? How do you handle that? Is that something that you're struggling with right now? And then also, do you own a scale or is that something that made your recovery harder for you? Is that something that you had to get rid of? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so it's it's a really tricky topic to talk to people on because it's sensitive. Like, it's gaining weight we have it stuck in our heads that it's really scary. Like if I got on the scale and looked at my number that was there, it could throw me down a a downward spiral. Like you have, I don't know. I don't know because I don't have a scale. Um, Because I don't think that the number on the scale accurately reflects my health. Um, Being who I am and having the eating disorder brain that I have, there's a number in my head that I'm like, okay, if I'm here, I look good, I whatever, I need to stay and maintain this number. When in actuality, it's completely unhealthy for my body. Um, I had to, you know, my roommate had a scale. I actually never owned a scale, but I, I lived with um, two other girls in my current house that I'm living in. I'm actually moving out this weekend, but um one of them had a scale and I would stand on it every single morning and then I would stand on it again at night and I would see if I gained any weight or what, whatever it would be. And that would then um, direct my day the whole next day. I would, you know, focus on eating less or working out more or whatever the case may be to kind of hit that quote unquote goal number. Um, but for me, scales are not my friend. Um, it, it just kind of, fuels the fire of my eating disorder and can really send me down a really dark road. Um, I know when I'm healthy. Your body tells you when you're healthy. Your body gives you cues that will tell you, hey, you need to eat something. Hey, you're full. Hey, let's go for a walk. Like you're feeling anxious. Maybe you need to move your body a little bit. Your body will tell you where you're at and when it's the healthiest. Um, If you're able, for me, if I'm able to run and feel great, that's when I know I'm healthy. That's when I know I'm fueling my body with the necessary nutrients that I need to go throughout my day and live a healthy lifestyle. Um, gaining weight back is scary and can be scary. I don't want to say is scary, but, you know, coming from the perspective that I have, I've always been horrified of gaining weight. And I think a lot of people have. It, it can definitely be overwhelming, um, especially if you have a very negative connotation with that. And it's hard when you have a friend going through it because you don't necessarily, you know your own triggers, but you don't necessarily know other people's triggers. So it can be a very fine line of saying, you know, scientifically proven facts and also, 
you know, not wanting to hurt their feelings or make them upset or whatever the case may be. So I think it's kind of hard to have those conversations, but I do think it's important to check on your friends and make sure that they know the proper steps to take in order to live a balanced, healthy life. Um, at the end of the day, like I, I said to you earlier, and I, like, remind myself of this every single day, you can't change a person if they don't want to change or if they're not able to see it. And I know that that's kind of tricky um, dealing with mental health struggles because it's not always the person's choice. But if you are fueling them with the tools, I always say, like, you're building your toolkit up. Like, you know, you have a, a little belt around your waist and you're putting in your screwdriver and your hammer and your pliers, whatever it may be. You're giving them the tools to educate themselves and to um, kind of take the next best step. I think that's the best thing you can do as a friend. Um, you can't force feed them. You can't, you know, force them to go on a walk with you or force them to journal or read or whatever your form of self-care is. But you can help educate them and you can help guide them um, and kind of give them some advice and, and give them those tools that would help them get to where, you know, a healthy balance is for that person. I love that. And now that you said that, I want to ask you, Specifically, what are some of the tools, even if it's just one or two, like you're talking about the screwdriver, and I love that, that you're like making such a realistic analogy. I'm picturing it in my head. What are some of the tools that you would want in your toolkit that are you saying you would give them to a friend or a friend would give them to you? Just like what are those tools that someone should have? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think education is key in life in general. I think, you know, I said, I always say, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, get out of that room. Put yourself in a room where you can learn and where you can grow and continue to develop more knowledge about whatever it is. Um, and right now I'm on a journey where I'm really interested in learning and educating myself on how to best treat my body and what I should be doing to obtain the best self I can possibly be. Um, my tools can look completely different from your tools, but exercise has always been a staple in my life. Um, not saying that is completely healthy because there's a period of time where I over-exercised and it was completely unhealthy. But, um, and you've really helped me identify this, I think intuitive exercising is exactly what the body needs. Um, and it, that could be, God, yoga, like laying on your mat and letting your body flow. Um, I, I follow Rachel Hollis. I, I adore her. Um, but she posted something the other day about like just 30 minutes, and so did you. 30 minutes of movement is all your body needs. And so I started to develop a morning routine. I've always struggled with my mornings. Um, I'm the worst. I literally will set an alarm and snooze it for an entire hour later. But I challenged myself. I was like, hey, if you – want to see change, then you have to make a change. So I, um, you know, have started to do a routine where I don't go on my phone in the morning for at least an hour, and I've been pushing that. It's been more like two hours, which is fantastic. I, it's been really helping my mental state. I get up, I make my bed, I brush my teeth, I wash my face, and then I go on a mile walk with my dog. It's beneficial for both of us because he's a little pudgy right now, and the vet told me he needs to lose weight. Um, but <laughs> so I've been moving my body. I think that that is one of my biggest tools that I am really honing in on right now is intuitive exercising and listening to what your body needs rather than forcing yourself to go on that six mile run when you know that you shouldn't be and then your body is going to hurt itself or whatever the case may be. Um, 
fueling your body, I think, is absolutely key. Um, putting the it, like the nutrients that your body needs for energy and to get through your day, I think, is absolutely crucial. And I want to like talk on that a little bit more because I don't want that to sound like all I do is eat carrots and apples and yogurt and you know just all these quote unquote healthy foods. Do you look at your food? I've heard it both ways. I did a podcast before about eating disorder recovery and my friend Rebecca said that she used to track macros and because she tracked macros, she now is able to eat intuitively because she knows what her body needs in terms of macronutrients. Is that something you've ever done and what are your thoughts on that? Like, Do you look at your food in terms of carbs, fat, and protein or do you look at it just in terms of what is good for me and what is going to make me feel good? No, that's a great question um, and that's really hard. So no, I have never tracked my macros or have done anything like that. And I typically look at my food as in like what's good versus what's quote unquote bad. Um, I don't break it down like protein, carbs, um, whatever, like any of that stuff. I typically just look at what I'm eating and I, I do aim to have balanced meals. So I will throw carbs and I will make sure I have protein. I will make sure that I have whatever it is that I need to fuel myself. But I don't necessarily break it down Bible, like, you know, word for word or whatever the case may be, like have X amount of this, X amount of that, whatever that is. Um, living a balanced life is what I'm trying to obtain. And for me, that is eating kind of what I'm craving rather than turning down my cravings and binging later in the night on whatever that is. Like if I want, you know, mac and cheese, maybe I'm going to have mac and cheese for dinner. But if I want to have a salad with that, I'll also have some salad. Like I'm kind of just more tuning into what my body wants and making sure that I'm living a balanced lifestyle. I'm still getting my nutrients, my veggies, my fruits. I, I love those things. So I think that that's kind of like a, a pro for me is I enjoy eating stuff like that, um, but also not restricting myself and saying, no, you can't have that cookie. Um, no, you can't drink that beer with your friends. I think for me, I struggled for a really long time with my relationship, especially with like drinking and my social life and my eating disorder. And it always ended negatively. Like I would either, I wouldn't want to miss out on the night. So I just wouldn't eat all day because I knew I was going to drink beer that night. And then I would have four beers and be completely wasted, like out of nowhere. And then it's just like an ugly cycle that you kind of get in because you're like, oh, well, I'm drinking my calories. Don't do that. But now I'm working on having that more of a balanced relationship with like, no, fuel your body with what it needs. You're going to need to recover from the alcohol you put in your system the next day. And if you have nothing in your body, you're not going to be able to do that. I also recently did a podcast interview with my friend Martha, and we talked about embracing your body as it is right now, like loving it as it is right now. And she mentioned how when you tell yourself that you can't have something and then you tell yourself that you can eat whatever you want, like making that shift into like using your intuition and doing what you're doing, people are afraid that they're going to go completely off the deep end. Like with me, I said in that episode, my thing was ice cream. Like one of the things that I told myself that I couldn't have was ice cream and also bagels. I feel like I talk about this a lot now, but I was like, I can't have bagels. It has to be like um, a whole wheat. And I think that's a thing for 
I don't want to say a lot of people, I don't want to generalize it, but bagel is like a devil food. And it's funny how now that I'm eating intuitively, I don't want bagels every day. I don't want a carton of ice cream every day. I allow myself to have a regular portion a couple of times a week because you learn like, I want this, I'm going to have it, I'm going to eat it when I want it, and I'm going to stop when I'm full, and I'm not going to go completely nuts all the time. Like, I don't need four bagels. I can have one a couple times a week, and I'm still healthy, and I actually feel so much better mentally and physically. Like, going back to, like, being able to exercise and just, like, feel good when you're doing it, like, it all really, really ties together. Something else that came into my mind that I wanted to ask you about is... The term food freedom, is that a term that you use, that you agree with, that you disagree with? What does food freedom mean to you? Yeah, I definitely, it's something I definitely agree with. Um, I think it's, to me, it's freeing yourself from all of these negative connotations that associate with certain foods. Like, I am a pasta junkie. I will sit there and I don't care what kind it is. I'll eat butter noodles, like, all day. Like, I am a total pasta junkie, but when I was in the depths of my eating disorder, I completely did not allow myself to enjoy pasta because, you know, that's one of, it's like a, like a bagel, like carbs, negative, bad, don't do it. You're going to gain weight, blah, blah, blah. And so food freedom to me is freeing yourself from those negative um, connotations that come with certain foods and, you know, an apple is good and pasta is bad. I don't think that any food is necessarily bad. I think living a balanced life is the key to living a happy and a healthy life. So to me, food freedom is allowing yourself to indulge, but also knowing that you need to live balanced and eat like a balanced diet and making sure that you are fueling yourself because if you ate nothing but carbs or pasta like all day long for three months, you're not going to, you're going to be lacking your protein or whatever, and that's going to affect you in a different way. So I think really educating yourself and knowing what it is that your body needs to function at its peak and allowing yourself to eat that ice cream, to eat the cookie, to eat the pasta, like eat the bagel, um, and knowing that it's not going to kill you and you're not going to gain 25 pounds overnight because you are eating these things. That's what food freedom looks like to me. And I think that it's such a beautiful term because it's, it says exactly what it says. Uh, to me, at least, like, you know, you're identifying that you are freeing yourself from all of those harmful thoughts around food. Food is food, and there's not good food, there's not bad food. You know, some food will make your body do X, and some food will make your body do Y. Like, it all plays a factor in your lifestyle and what you decide to do and, and the type of person you are. But I think living a lifestyle where you look at food freedom and, and can identify with that is really helpful, especially for somebody like me and you, like you said, with the bagels and the ice cream, who used to kind of have a very negative connotation with that. It frees yourself from those thoughts. It's like kind of breaking those chains off and allowing yourself to live a balanced life. That's the way that I look at it. I love that, and I could not agree more. You put that so perfectly, I think. And I also wanted to ask you what your thoughts on the term body positivity are. Is that something that you also agree with? What does body positivity mean to you in your terms? 
I am all for the body positivity movement. I think all bodies are beautiful. I think that cellulite and stretch marks, I think it's all a part of being who we are, especially as women. I think that it shows, I like to call uh, my stretch marks tiger stripes. And my mom was like, you're just doing that because Kourtney Kardashian said it. But I was like, no, I did this way before she said it. I didn't even realize she said that. But (laughs) um, it makes me feel like fierce. And it's like, you know what, I have stretch marks on my legs because I'm strong and because my body's growing and changing and adapting to who I need to be at this point in my life. But I will say that I've kind of been going through this phase where, you know, I think body positivity is fantastic. Do not get me wrong. But every single day, I'm not waking up body positive. I can tell you that right now. I think that we need to strive to be body neutral instead of having I I think it's kind of similar with like the self-love movement and love yourself and whatever not every day you're going to love yourself but if you cannot hate yourself and not bring yourself down and not look at your body and point out 17 flaws that you see in the mirror I think that that should be the goal I think that you know the body positivity movement and this and the love yourself and and self-love movement are great. And I think that there are some days where I will be in the forefront of that movement with a sign saying, love yourself. But I think we also need to normalize there are going to be some days where you physically can't love yourself. But if you can choose to be neutral and to not hate yourself, I think that's a win. And I think that that's more of what I'm trying to align to and trying to kind of speak on more than body positivity and and loving yourself and self-love because I think that that, again, goes with a not realistic life. I think that, you know, if we're talking about real life, like I can look at you right now and tell you yesterday I woke up and wanted to cry. But then you have to remind yourself, you know, not every day is going to be rainbows and butterflies. There's going to be some days that feel like a storm. But if you can get through it and not be hating yourself, then I think that that is a huge victory right there. This is kind of a weird question, but going off of that, is there anything in particular that will trigger you to wake up and, I don't say want to cry, that's awful, but like, is there anything that contributes to a poor body image day for you, or is it just kind of at random? I'm thinking of Mick Zazon and normalizing normal bodies and things like that, like, the fact that people like that are both talking about loving the skin that you're in, but also exactly what you said, openly talking about having bad days too. I've been questioned, like, how can influencers like that say that you should love the skin you're in, but then still not love the skin that they're in every day? Like, they still say that they're miserable at the same time and they have miserable days. Point being, yeah, is there anything that triggers a bad body image day or is it just kind of at random? I think majority it's at random, if I'm being completely honest with you. You know, the week before I get my period, I feel crap and because I bloat and all the other symptoms of getting our periods um, kind of comes into play. And that can kind of be a big factor to me. But at, at like mostly, it, it's kind of at random, which is kind of sad. It, it depends on... You know, if I see, you know, if I put on a a certain outfit that doesn't flatter me in the way that I want it to flatter me, or if I put on a shirt and it feels tighter in an area, like that can kind of send me on a downward spiral. Um, But I also think it comes into play with my emotions. And if one day I am grieving a little harder than I did the day previously, that I, I feel bad about myself. And then that kind of 
and that's when I pull on my safety blanket and I focus my attention onto speaking negatively about my body, if that makes any sense. I, it kind of has a lot of different factors into it. Um, some days it's random. Some days it, it plays off of my my emotions and what I'm feeling at that point in time. If I'm anxious, if I'm grieving, if I'm feeling really, really low, I'll put on that safety blanket. And then other days it can be triggered by like literally anything under the sun. I can see a picture on Instagram and be like, wow, I wish I looked like that. And then that throws me off. Like it's so hard to pinpoint a specific trigger um, because I think that there are a lot of things and one day something can trigger me, the next day that same thing won't trigger me. It, it's kind of all over the place. I don't know if I answered that correctly, but I don't have a specific, you know, reason as to why or how. I was wondering if you did have a specific thing or two that triggers those days. And I love that you said it's all over the place because I think being all over the place and not knowing when a day like that is going to come is just completely natural and human. And there doesn't have to be a specific thing. That's what I was thinking. So I just wanted to know your opinion on that. And the thing that we didn't touch on yet that I wish we touched on earlier, but we went off on so many other great things is um, anxiety. I wanted to know if you dealt with generalized or if you deal with generalized anxiety, what kind of anxiety you deal with and if that was brought on by your eating disorder or before or after and you can just go off and completely talk about all things anxiety and how that affects your everyday life and affected your past and all of those things. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, yes, yes, yes to all of that. So I definitely struggle with anxiety. Um, I think it is generalized, but then I also think that in certain areas, I kind of struggle with it more. Like, um, I don't, I don't know if I would say that it specifically ties in with my eating disorder, but I think that it kind of plays off of that in terms of a lack of confidence and feeling like other people are a lot better than I am. And this especially comes into play in a relationship, actually, like with my boyfriend a lot. I get a lot of anxiety. I feel like I kind of have to be reminded and have to be, um, you know, reassured that he loves me and whatever the case may be because I have these fears of, you know, different anxieties kind of creep in about, well, is, there, is somebody else is better than me? Why is he with me? Blah, 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 blah. Um, but, like, day in and day out, I definitely struggle with anxieties. I put a lot of pressure on myself, I would say, to be the best I can possibly be. And there's days that I have to remind myself that maybe taking a nap is being the best person I can be at that point in time because that is a way that I can kind of escape from those anxieties. Some days my anxiety can feel crippling. Like I have had complete mental breakdowns because I don't necessarily know the best way to handle my anxiety. And it can be triggered from my work. It can be triggered from my social group. Um, my relationship, my eating, my exercising, like there are so many different factors that my anxiety kind of floats around. But I have taken the time, especially over quarantine, to kind of identify the best ways that I can approach when I feel that I'm getting very anxious and what I can do to kind of detonate myself, like <laughs> kind of like a bomb. Like I don't want to go off. I don't want to explode and have a panic attack or an anxiety attack. I want to genuinely figure out how to best deal with this. And that that has a lot kind of, you know, packed into that. Like I have to remind myself that 
everyone's unique and no, you know, there's not somebody who's better than the next person and everyone lives a different life and a different journey. Um, journaling has been really key for me. I've felt, again, when I'm able to get it out of my head and into the universe, that is like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And sometimes when I'm talking to people about the way that I'm feeling, that makes me feel worse because sometimes they don't know necessarily the right thing to say at no fault of their own. It's a tricky, you know, subject to kind of approach. Um, and when I'm venting or when I feel like this and they say the wrong thing, that can kind of impact me in um, a negative way and can make me feel worse. So I found that journaling is a huge outlet for me because I'm able to write down how I feel with no judgment, with no, um, you know, people trying to console me and then it ends up making me feel worse. Um, exercise, again, is, is a huge outlet for me. And I've actually started taking CBD oil, and that has really helped calm me down. Um, I, I love it. I, I had Actually, I had a really bad day yesterday, and I took a break from everything. I was like, you know what? Let me take some CBD oil. I put on, like, an eye mask, and I took a nap, and I woke up, and I felt 10 times better. So um, anxiety is, can feel like it controls your life. Um, but I think, again, that's something that you kind of have to actively recover from. I don't think that it will ever fully go away. But I think if you find ways to cope with it and to um, kind of face those demons head on and be like, hey, I'm winning this battle. You're not winning this battle. This is me. I'm taking over and I'm going to run with this and I'm going to have a good day despite what my anxiety is trying to do to me. I think that that's important, too. But it's also important not to put that pressure on yourself because you're not going to win every day. And some days are going to be harder than others. And you have to remind yourself that that's okay. Sometimes getting out of bed is the biggest victory that you will have for the day. And that's still a big victory. Like you have to celebrate the little things that you might not even think are wins and take them as wins and kind of go on and wake up the next day and, and you know, try to do some different things and have a better day. That is so true. And that is something that I don't know about you, but I was really bad at that in college. I felt like I had to be happy and productive and doing a million different things from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. every single day. And that a day was a bad day or I was lazy if I wasn't productive all day, every day. So I talk so much about that now. And honestly, I do because one, it's new to me. Two, it's some, what am I trying to say? It's new to me and the same thing with, like I know that there's somebody out there that is struggling through what I was struggling through in college and I want to help that person. So it might seem kind of silly to people to be like, hey, you need to take a nap. Hey, getting out of bed might be the best thing that you do all day. Like that's just so true and I'm so happy that you said that. And I have two more questions for you. I wanna close out with one question, but before we get to that, talk a little bit more about CBD oil because I live with generalized anxiety and the thing that's helping me most right now is magnesium. I'm taking a supplement in the morning and then I'm taking a powder and water before I go to sleep at night and that has been helping me a lot but so many people have said try CBD and I still haven't yet. I just honestly don't know that much about it and I'm a little hesitant to like put that into my everyday routine so I know that you said it helps you relax and take a nap but like what more is there to it than that yeah no that's a great question and sometimes I think 
I don't want to say CBD gets a negative um, connotation with it, but it, it can be associated with weed, <laughs> as we all know that. And, you know, my dad's like, what, you're smoking weed? I'm like, no, it doesn't have – you don't get high from CBD. Um, but it does give you the same calming effect, um, you know, that marijuana can have because of it, CBD is a part of marijuana. So um, I – I struggle with just chilling out. My brain doesn't slow down, like, ever. Like, I have had to figure out a way that I can sleep throughout the night, be like, previously, because my brain just doesn't turn off. To be honest with you, I've just recently kind of started taking it, I want to say, for about, like, three weeks now. And I'll take it before bed, and it helps me just slow down and kind of lets me lay there and not feel like I have to be um, working or, you know, doing something else. It allows me to just turn my brain off and focus on watching Gilmore Girls or, like, doing nothing and being okay with doing nothing. Like you said, you don't feel good about yourself unless you were doing something from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., like in college, and that's something I also struggled with. I felt like I constantly had to be productive in order to be, like, successful, in order to be having a good day. But you need to allow yourself to rest, and I never allowed myself to rest. So CBD has kind of given me that ability to just slow down, chill out, stop overthinking about everything, and, like, go to bed or sit on the couch and watch a show. Like, it, it's really been helpful in that aspect of things. Okay, hearing that makes me want to try it 10 times more. So we'll text about that after this, and I'm going to get some recommendations from you for sure. Thank you. The last thing I wanted to ask you is I love how you are saying that you are doing what you are doing to be there for other people and help people know that they're not alone. And I know that you are extremely strong, but I also think that you are not alone in what you are going through. And I was wondering if you could end by talking a little bit about your support system. Who are the people in your everyday life that help you remember that you are not alone? And also, if you have any suggestions or recommendations for somebody out there that might be listening to this and they want to be a better support system for somebody else in their life, what can they do and who supports you? That is a great question. Oh my God, I, I'm like tearing up now. Um, so I would start by saying my mom is my everything. Like she is my rock. She is my ultimate support system. She is everything all bundled up into one. Like she, you know, we've developed, she has always been such a great mother. And as I've gotten older, she has become my best friend. Like she always knew the line between mom and friend. And once I started to get older, we really developed that friendship aspect of our relationship. And she's someone, you know, I think what you need to identify when you're looking for that support system is somebody that you know is never going to judge you. Someone you know is never going to take what you're saying to them and then go run and tell somebody else and talk crap and, you know, make it, make you feel like bad about the way you're feeling. Because Regardless of the way you're feeling, that's what you're feeling. Like, you can't beat yourself up because you're feeling X or you're feeling Y. Like, your emotions are your emotions, and it's really important to come to terms with them and identify that and talk on them. Um, so I think when you are identifying your support system, 
please make sure you can trust that person and it's somebody that won't be judging you and won't tell you that you're wrong or you're not supposed to be feeling this way or whatever the case may be. Um, I also think, you know, so I, I have my mom, um, I have my best friend in the whole entire world, Gina, who, like, you know those people that just always know what to say and when you feel like you can't smile, they make you smile and they make you laugh and they're, they always, you leave the conversation feeling lighter and feeling like a ray of sunshine just came into your life. There, There's just some people in this world that are like that. And I think if you can find somebody in your life that feels like a ray of sunshine to you, stay close to them too. Keep them, you know, on your side and, and utilize them because I think that it's really important to have people in your life like that. And then another person I would say is key in my support system is my boyfriend. But... I also think that it's really important. So he's incredible. He is always there to listen, always there when I cry. He's there to hold me. But I think it's also important when you are identifying your support system that not everybody is going to know what to say. And not everybody is going to know how to handle the situation, especially if they do not struggle with any mental health struggles or they don't really know much about eating disorders or whatever the case may be. And it's important to not get angry at that person and to kind of understand that this is new to them. It's new territory that they're approaching and they're trying their best and not to put so much pressure on that person. Because I know I struggled with that with my boyfriend for a while. Like I just felt like he didn't really understand what I was saying or what I was going through. But then it kind of clicked in my head that like, hey, you're feeling this, he's not feeling this, and you can't necessarily put that pressure on him to say the perfect thing at the right time. Um, so I think it's really important to identify, like, different um, people to go to for different things and, like, who that person may be. And then also realize that not everyone is feeling the same way that you're feeling and not everyone is going to know exactly what to say. But that's okay. If you know that you can rely on somebody and that you can trust someone and that they're going to be there for you at the end of the day, every single day, then that's somebody that you want in your support system. And I think that it's really important to not put too much pressure on those people as well. Um, that's why I think it's really important to seek that therapy or seek whatever that is for you that is kind of um, not in your close circle and is able to kind of give you different point of views or different aspects of, you know, what you're feeling that can kind of make you think and you don't get angry or upset with what they're saying and, and kind of opening up and expanding your view on certain issues, I think is really important. Love that you talked about not putting so much pressure on the, that person and that they're not always going to know what to say and understand that you're going through, especially with your relationship. I can relate to that so much. My boyfriend is the same way where I feel like he's my ray of sunshine. Like I was having a bad night last night and he came over after he got done work and just like sat there smiling at me and like I couldn't help but like start smiling and like laughing with him. It took like 10 minutes for my mood to get flipped around. That doesn't always happen, but that happened last night and that was really nice. And I think that is just like so important that they're not always going to know exactly what to say or exactly how to handle it. And also us not putting that pressure on them. I think that definitely comes with growth and 
maturity and time. I know for me, in the beginning of our relationship, I feel like I was putting a lot of pressure on him to, like, why can't you just understand what I'm going through? And, like, why don't you know what to say? And then as time goes by, I understood that. And now I'm like, you're not always going to know what to say or how to handle it. But it's just nice to have that person there. And especially also, you said somebody that's not going to be there for you one minute, but then turn their back and go and talk about you the next minute. That is so, so, so big to me in every single friendship and relationship that I have. Just somebody that is not going to be nice to you to your face and then turn around and talk crap about you especially with mental health struggles like it is just so important to have that line of trust with someone um that's the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about is there anything else at all that you would like to wrap up with or talk about before we close no I think that this was such an incredible conversation um I just want to say that I do, one of the big things about, you know, starting this Instagram page is creating a safe place for people. So in speaking about that support system and and the people that you have in your life, um, if people are struggling, if whoever, if anyone hears this that is struggling with identifying those people, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, That is what the purpose of this page is, is to create a support system is to create a community and a safe place for people who are going through similar struggles. And even if you're not going through a similar struggle but need somebody, please don't hesitate to reach out. That is literally my entire purpose of creating this page. And I think that there's going to be some things in the works coming up where it's developing more of a community and kind of giving more of an outlet for people who are, um, you know, experiencing some some struggles that they're going through. So. That's kind of what I just wanted to say. Please don't hesitate to reach out. That is my whole purpose of being here. If I know you, if I don't know you, it does not matter. I'm here. Um, but, Angie, I do want to say thank you so much for having me on. This conversation is incredible. You are such a light in this world, and your content, you always have been. I mean, since the day I met you in college, you are just you're, – you're a ray of sunshine. You really are, and I hope – you know that, and um, if you ever need the reminder, I'm here, and I'm really appreciative of everything that you are doing on your platform and using your voice for such good in this world, and it's really refreshing to see all of the things that you're doing, and you are amazing. That is all I've got for you guys today. I will talk to you next Friday. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.